Hey, I'm live. How are you doing? It is Monday, 7 p.m. You know what that means. It's time for 62 Who Knew from the beautiful WeBeam TV studios in Port Ritchie, Florida. And we welcome everybody. We've got a fantastic guest, so I'm not going to take too long before we get to her uh, because uh, I have been asked for the last three to six months if I know this person, um, have I ever spoke with them, are we connections on LinkedIn, have we run into each other at in-home care or long-term care shows. I keep saying, no, I, want, I, I don't know her, but I want to. And, uh, and tonight she's on. So before we get to her, uh, thank you so much for being here. Uh, for the eighth week in a row, uh, our viewing audience top 42,000 people. It is our goal to be above 100,000 per week. Uh, soon we'll be launching our new national podcast. We have so many exciting things happening on 62 Who Knew, and it's all because of you, our great audience, and I know you watch because of our great guests. I'd like to think you're coming here for me, but I know you're not. Eh, maybe about 12 of you about are coming here for me, but the other 41,800 people are coming because of the fantastic guests we have. So thank you very much for doing that. Before we get to our guest, I always do a quick synopsis of what 62 Who Knew is, uh, because we grow every week. 62 Who Knew is about the double-edged sword, or the mixed blessing, if you would, of longer lifespans. Um, Every generation, as they approach retirement in their 50s, as they're heading uh, for the age of 62, every generation basically has the same thoughts. Did I save enough money? Do I have enough insurance? Do I need long-term care insurance? Should I keep my life insurance? Uh, should I take my life? Should I keep my life insurance? Um, should we pay off the mortgage? Should we have a mortgage? Do I take my Social Security at 62, or should I defer to the later age? The questions never stop. And guess what? Our fathers ask the same questions: their fathers, their fathers, and their fathers before them. But it is my generation, the baby boomer generation. I just turned 61 uh, about 10 days ago. 11 days ago, our generation has one more obstacle to overcome that no other past generation has, and that is longer lifespans. Over the last three to four decades, medical breakthroughs, scientific breakthroughs, technologies have come just so far. I mean, all the common ailments uh, that I remember as a child that I took a shot for or worried about, uh, chicken pox, mumps, the measles, they're all gone. We have generations of children now that don't even know they existed. So many different types of cancer uh, for men and women, if caught early enough, um, can be cured 100%, thank God. But, of course, we have a long way to go with the terrible disease of cancer. Um, HIV, people HIV positive in the 1980s, this was a death warrant. Today they get their proper medicine if caught early enough and can live normal lives. So many great things happening with gene therapy, stem cell research, immunotherapy. It's just incredible. And isn't that great? But since half of us are going to make it to 90 years old plus, and we want to retire in our early 60s, who knew at 62 we could have 30 years left? Who knew of the 60-some-odd years we were here there is still half that much more time to go. And truthfully, financially, less than 1% of the United States of America can retire in their early 60s 
and live a high quality life until the early 90s. And with what we've learned from our friends and our guests from the Weizmann Institute in Israel, 90 years old is gonna become much more common in the next two decades. It's gonna be in the low hundreds. So now we'll have 40 years. Is that amazing? Once we hit our 60s. So that's what we're about. Every week, bringing on a different expert to help us get through that time with quality and with dignity. And tonight is uh, certainly no exception. Uh, and I can't wait to do this. And I'm doing it right now. We have my book in the middle. We have both of her books on either side, um, which are just incredible books. Um, but tonight our guest is Miss Kath- Kathy Sigorsky. And as I said earlier in my pre-show, she is a practicing attorney for over 30 years, but limits her practice to elder law issues. Uh, she's been a significant caregiver uh, for seven different family members and friends, and the combination of this legal and practical experience in aging and caregiving has made Kathy a sought-after national speaker throughout the country. Uh, she is a frequent guest on television, radio programs, podcasts, and speaks to promote financial and legal preparation in the aging crisis. And it always has, and I think we're going to, let's bring her up, John, without further ado, Miss Kathy Sigorsky. How are you, Kathy? Hey, I'm great. How are you? And let me just say happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm getting up there. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting up there in age. When I went to school, there was no history. That's how old I am at this particular <laughs> point. That part of the book was just blank. Um, you know, one of the things in your bio in preparing for the aging crisis, don't do this yet. I just, this is one of the first things I want to do to, I want to get to. I find it amazing how many people don't realize, and I mean not uneducated nice, good, great, working people, intelligent people, don't realize there is an aging crisis in this great country. Um, Huge TV shows, uh, network, cable networks, of course, they talk about uh, terrorism, the wars, the battle on Wall Street, the battle on Main Street, the political stuff. I guess it's not glamorous enough to talk about the aging crisis. Um, And I hope we can turn 62, who, uh, who knew into a a source of helping people at that age in crisis. So um, thank you so much for being here. I've heard about you for at least the last two years. Wow. But for the last six months, as the show grew, you can't imagine how many people went, you have to have Kathy Sigorska. You have to. You have to. I, go, I don't know her. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I am delighted that yeah. that's the case because I'm because my mission is to educate. So if you're telling me that that's happening, that makes me so happy because oh, it's it means people are hearing and listening. You that's know? great. Well, yeah. the first, yeah, we always do some preparation. So I have some questions for you. But my first question is always the same for every guest, whether it's a, an attorney like yourself or Healthcare, it doesn't make a difference. You're doing this for 30 years in a very specific niche, elder law care, preparation, the aging crisis. What motivated you personally years ago to do this? That's my first question for every guest. And, and my educated guess is that most of your guests tell you that whatever their mission is, it comes from a personal response to a personal experience. Absolutely. And as you can see on my left is my first book, Showering with Nana, Confessions of a Serial <laughs> Caregiver. The serial killer is what it says, actually, and it's crossed out. Yeah. And it says caregiver. I, I, and that's because 
30 years ago, my 92-year-old grandmother came to live with me when I had a two-year-old. Not even 30 years ago, but anyway, yeah. And so I was raising a two-year-old and a 92-year-old at the same time. And as you can imagine, pandemonium ensued because my grandmother was hilarious, independent, and really happy to engage with a two-year-old against me. That was their (laughs) joint mission. So, you know, in my defense, they would come home and I mean, I would come downstairs and I would find things like they were having a snack from the dog dish, mm-hmm. you know, or they were throwing laundry off of the back porch for <laughs> some unknown reason. And so I, I just that was a, a really personal, deep experience. Um, and so I decided right then and there, gee, I think caregiving has mm-hmm. some legal issues that I might need to know about as an attorney, because I was just a small town practice, you know, general practice attorney. And then, as you noted, I became a serial caregiver. Mm -hmm. I actually have been, yes, a caregiver for seven different family members and friends over the last 30 years. And each experience led me to understand that this area of the law, which was new and burgeoning, was important to become an expert in so that I could help others in this really difficult and crisis-driven area of the law. Well, that's incredible. And I'm assuming, since among the other great things that I've heard about you in the last couple of years, uh, one of those, counselor, is a wicked sense of humor. Did that come from grandma? Uh, Indeed, indeed. It really did, because my mother has no sense of humor at all. (laughs) (laughs) It skipped a generation? Yes, it skips a generation, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, uh, my my second favorite comedian in the world, uh, which is Jerry Seinfeld, always says that, you know, your first birthday is, is almost exactly like your last birthday. You're sitting there, you have cake all over you, there's people around and you have no idea why they're there. Um, and he has said that so many times in his show and it's, it is kind of, but, you know, having a 92-year-old grandmother with your two-year-old, I've never had an experience like that. I had my uh, mid seventy to low 80s father brought up because he lived with us the last five years of his life. Um, with my children, who were older at that time, but not that old, 8, 15, 20. Um, it was an experience that they'll never forget, living with Poppy, um, watching TV with Poppy, going on a cruise with Poppy. Um, it, it was incredible. They'll never forget it. Yep. yep, it was fantastic. And she certainly they certainly had a bond. There was no doubt about it. But their bond was unique in that they were kind of on the same level of you know, what they wanted, when they wanted it. I mean, it was uh, almost like having two-year-old twins. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know a lot of teenagers like that. Thank God mine grew, right? out, of, mine, mine grew <laughs> out of that. I want it now. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, now we know, and you're right. Most of the time, it's always something personal and something touching. So thank you for sharing with that, sharing that with us. Um, so my first question, and again, it's, it staggers me how many people don't take, don't take this seriously, but... In your words, as a national expert, why is it so important for everyone to get prepared, you know, for this tsunami of longer age, of longer living that people kind of take for granted till they get there and go, whoa, whoa. Clearly, that's exactly right. It's coming, whether you like it or not. And quite frankly, if you're fortunate, it's coming. Mm -hmm. You're aging, right? But when people, it's funny, um, Michael, because when people realize it is usually not when they're taking care of their father 
or their mother or their aunt or their great aunt or uncle. Like they're in it and they're dealing with it and they see a crisis, but they think it's about the older person. They still don't know that the light should go on where they should be taking the same preparation time for themselves. They should make a plan for Mm -hmm. themselves, even if it's for 10, 20, 30 years down the road. And that's the crisis. Yeah, and it's a big crisis. Uh, a couple of our uh, steady guests, uh, you may know of them or know them personally. Um, uh, Mr. Mark Goldberg, um, uh, is that terrible? I'm getting old myself. I should be preparing better for the crisis. Um, Bill Comfort, who is a yes, number one instructor. Yeah, Bill. when they come yes. on and talk about not what they do also, because I love listening to both of them, but when they talk about um, how the caregiver themselves so many times predeceases the person they're oh. caring for because they don't know. The, that gives me the chills every time they bring it's that up. It's a huge percentage. It's a huge percentage, like something like 25 or 30 percent caregivers oh, yeah. pass away before the person they're caring for. And it's because of the stress and the crisis mode and the lack of preparation and all the outside forces that are making their life difficult, which is why you know, I am working very hard to tell people, look, you can do this. You can prepare dramatically. You can get the right documents. You can do, you know, some, uh, you can know what's coming at you in terms of what the, what the law system wants to do right. in terms of healthcare, money, crisis, et cetera. You can know all those things and then you can decide some things right now or know what you're going to need to decide in the future. Absolutely. So let's start at the basics. I mean, what, you know, uh, to our to our people that are listening you know what do we do now not just for our parents right but for ourselves what are we supposed to be doing right now today there isn't one person in this country 18 years or older who shouldn't have a power of attorney who shouldn't have a durable financial power of attorney and a health care power of attorney or sometimes they call it a health care directive sometimes they call it it's got a lot of names but really they're two separate documents that do two really important things here's the 32nd definition of a power of attorney it is a document that you sign giving the power to someone else to act as if they are you in every capacity. So if it's a financial power of attorney, they can act as if they are you in every financial capacity. Pay bills, um, take loans, sell your car, sell your house, buy a house, change your investments. It's a very powerful document. And that person's called your agent. And the same thing in healthcare. You sign a document that says this person can be in charge of my health care if necessary. So make decisions, talk to pharmacists, talk to doctors, put me in a nursing home, take me out of a nursing home. Again, very powerful documents, but necessary. When my children went to college at 18, I made them sign those documents so that when they were far away at college, if something happened, they would talk to me. The person in charge would say, oh, no, 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 your daughter's an adult. We don't have to talk to you. We don't have to tell you her medical condition or why she you know, isn't paying her bills at college. So you see, it's a document that anybody could put in effect right now. And it doesn't take your power away. Nobody gets to use it unless you can't do it. That's the point. People panic about that. Yeah, that, that, that in itself, I mean, in just our first two minutes here, I, I can't tell you how many times, you know, and again, I consider myself a little knowledgeable about, um, you know, about some of this, not in your field, of course, not in your class, but I can't tell you how many times that my kids have either been away um, or you know, maybe not at school, but away somewhere on vacation, 
called me, Dad, I'm in the emergency room, but I'm okay. Or, you know, Dad, I'm, you know, <laughs> and, and yeah. why don't I have a power of attorney with all of my kids since they're 18? That's, that's amazing to me. Uh, yeah, and, and, and I mean, granted, we're talking about 62 who knew, but quite frankly, just adults who knew. Um, yeah. This is, you know, everybody talks about wills. Everybody talks about living wills. This is a pretty common conversation, but this power of attorney and why it's necessary for healthy people is often an overlooked, overlooked, cr critically important point. Because when do you want this document? When you're in a crisis. When somebody can't take care of their financial affairs or their health care affairs, and if you don't have it, you might not be able to get it. And the next step after that is really ugly. That's a guardianship. Yeah, that takes time. And usually if people are looking for that, as in my industry, reverse mortgages, um, you know, somebody calls up and says, oh, my God, mom needs this 100000 for for in-home right. care, for this, for that. I go, that's all right. We can get it done. It's an emergency. We'll get it right. done in 10 days for you. And then we find out mom is incapacitated. Uh, well, don't worry. I have a power of attorney. Oh, that's great. When did you get it done? A few days ago. Did she just get incapacitated a few days ago? Well, no. Yeah. Well, then no mortgage lender in the world is going to treat that POA as anything. It needs to be done while they are fully, correct me if I'm wrong, mentally capable of making this Competent. decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to give that power to somebody. I always wonder now, how they get it after the fact. Let me just bring up, because that's a really good question. If tomorrow I'm diagnosed as having early onset dementia, because I'm starting to forget things and it looks weird. It doesn't mean tomorrow I'm incompetent, right. okay? It, it, it is a scale, it is definitely a scale. But certainly, if, if I mean, certainly I should just do it because I'm healthy. I don't, I don't want people to wait till they're sick or till right. they you know, think they might have an issue. But if that happens, it doesn't mean instantaneously you are not able to sign legal documents, but you need to take that into account. If you have any kind of a, a medical condition that you think will make you disabled in the future, yeah, do it now, today, today. Absolutely. Don't wait. Now, how about advanced directives? I know when you go in the hospital, that's the first thing they talk always. to you about. They always ask that. And, and, and they're great documents. Um, every state is a little bit different. But typically what people understand those documents to be, and they sort of forget this one key piece, is if you are in a permanent vegetative state, you have signed a document that says, this is what I want done. So I want palliative care. I just want, you know, I don't want chemotherapy. I don't want um, antibiotics. I don't want, I just want to be taken care of. Basically, what we know as a pull the plug or don't pull the plug document, right? right? And that's that, what a that's DNR That's an advanced is. directive, mm -hmm. right? That's not a healthcare power of attorney. That's just a piece of it that's an advanced directive. And it's a good document and it's, a, and it's important. But for me, I like this for something nobody ever talks about. I like it because if mom is in the hospital in a permanent vegetative state because she's 97 and has completely stroked out and my mom gave me the power to make a decision and I have eight siblings, I don't want them and all their spouses and all their children coming out of the woodwork telling me what they think right. should be done because I'm not deciding that. Mom decided it. She That's signed right. a piece of paper. She made the decision, and we're going to respect mom's wishes. And it takes the person who's in charge off the hook. It takes the Jewish guilt away. 
it is well i'm the catholic guilt away so you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i get it same um, thing and it is it is it is the same thing <laughs> I, I used to have a my god my, my one boss i loved him so much and he goes you know there's no reason you can't go to my synagogue and i can't go to our church yes. we should just call them our lady of perpetual guilt yeah <laughs> catholic catholic and jewish moms you could just interchange right? them yes yeah but but again it, it's critical it's critical it's it's not so critical for the person who's laying there it's critical that's for the right. person who's left behind to make these decisions yeah so that's why it's important yeah and, and again and i think you have to get to a certain point in life and i'm embarrassed to say this but my mom my mom went too early in her in her early to mid 70s mm -hmm. and um you know the day after dad and i are you know at the funeral home and making the arrangements and this was very rough on dad. They were married 56 years. It was rough on my wow. sister and myself too. Uh, I didn't inherit, unfortunately, the good marriage gene. That's like your mother's sense of humor. The marriage gene <laughs> skipped my generation. Um, but, you know, and when we were all done and, you know, dad's, uh, you read my book. So ex-World War II POW, strong guy, but it took a lot out of him. And the guy looked at me and said, come back tomorrow and let's take care of this for your father now. So you and your family are not going through this. Yes. And I looked yes. at him and I went, yeah, I'll be, wh why didn't we think of that for mom 10 years earlier? Yes. Or 20 years? How and, could I not let, think of that? Let me just add one more level here is, especially in Pennsylvania is where I work and where I practice. I'm not licensed to practice in any other state, but, and every state has their own little glitches, but I just want to bring to your audience that the reason you need to talk to an elder lawyer, and let, let's make a quick distinction, elder lawyers deal with these issues that we're talking about, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, nursing homes, powers of attorney. We are not generally estate lawyers. We can be both, but elder lawyers are for live people, and estate lawyers are really for dead people. <laughs> That's the I, easiest I, distinction. I'm writing that down. Right? So here's a little poem. And it's in my book, but it'll help you. POA stands for power of attorney. POA alive today. Once you pass away, only an executor can play. I love that. Which when book is that? That's in Who Moved My Teeth. Because okay. this is when we're talking about all of these uh -huh. important things that happen to us. Because people will say to me, well, I'm my mom's executor. I can take care of her affairs. And I said, you cannot take care of her affairs until she passes away. You have to be her power of attorney. And in Pennsylvania, we have some really, really strict rules about gifting, giving money away, changing beneficiaries. And if you don't speak to an elder lawyer who does this, somebody who really does this on a regular basis, you may get a power of attorney. You may download one from, you know, LegalZoom.com, but it may be wrong and That's it right. may put you in a worse place than you are today. So, I mean, you know, I love attorneys and I love people and I'm not trying to make you spend a whole lot of money, trust me. But there are some things that you absolutely must take the time and, and presence of mind and money to spend on to do it right, to protect you and your wife and your family and your kids. And your grandchildren, and every, yeah. all the way down the line. And you bring up LegalZoom, and they're a fine company. I mean, I use them to form. They are. I have no problem with LegalZoom. Yeah, I use them to form corporations, but I, I can't tell right. you how many times a year when I am doing a reverse mortgage for someone, and I go, "Do you have a will or a trust?" Not that that's part of the mortgage; it's just part of the question: Is your property? And we have a trust. I'll say, "Well, I need to send that." My my legal department of my mortgage company has to look at that to make sure you, you know I can put the house in the trust. And you get the trust; there's nothing in it. And I go, well, I don't understand. Did you forget to send me something? 
No, we, we went on LegalZoom, we paid the $90, and we formed the trust years ago. I go, but you didn't and they put, didn't fund it. They didn't mm-hmm. put anything in it. And they go, right, exactly. oh, yeah, yeah, you need really to have typical. an attorney. And, yeah. and, and, that's, and that's just, honestly, that's just why the need for an in-person meeting with an attorney is so critical around these issues, around these issues, mm-hmm. absolutely. So now we're going yeah. to ask a question about um, second to reverse mortgages. I, and I'm not an insurance person. Um, I plan on being soon uh, for the first time in 40 years. But the two, to me, the two products that can fund longevity, uh, those two words, funding longevity, they're on the tip of everybody's tongue because of the aging crisis, whether you're a certified financial planner or an independent financial advisor, an elder law attorney, a reverse mortgage person. The two, the two products that can help with funding longevity the best to me in this order are long-term care insurance and reverse mortgages. And it's amazing to me that both products are so totally misunderstood by the public. Um, In fact, long-term care itself, the entire industry of long-term care, just seems to be so misunderstood by the masses, but we're all going to need it. In fact, if we're lucky, we're all going to need it. It lets you die early. Yet, it's sort of like that analogy, fixing the barn door after the horses leave. Most of the time, it's not available when you need it. Um, what, what is with, why, why is this country so unprepared with lifespans getting longer and longer for long-term care? So here's the thing. First of all, people mistakenly think Medicare pays for a nursing home. Let's yeah. just start there. Mm-hmm. People, Medicare does not pay for your nursing home. Mm -hmm. It will pay for a short-term stay of rehab on occasion, blah, blah, blah. But the bottom line is, if you're thinking you're gonna depend on Medicare to pay for your nursing home, you are sadly mistaken. That's right. number one. Number two, I, I don't sell insurance. I don't sell financial products. As a matter of fact, attorneys in Pennsylvania are not allowed to do that. Have. And I kind of like that about, about my practice. But what, what I can tell you is this. If, if you don't have a plan and your spouse or your loved one or your partner gets seriously and dramatically ill and they are going to end up in a nursing home situation, legally what's going to happen to you is you are going to be expected to deplete your assets at an alarming rate. And you may in fact end up leaving your partner or your spouse who's perfectly healthy and living at home destitute. Well, that leads us- And so, what you need to do is have a plan that has a financial piece to it and something, whether it's long-term care insurance or reverse mortgage, a, a, you know, a, a hybrid plan, everybody is different. Would you not agree that everybody has a unique financial yeah, situation? absolutely. That has to be looked at by their financial advisor, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And, but you need to understand that from a legal point, the state is coming in to take your money. They got a plan. They have a plan. They have a They're plan. They're taking yes. your money. That's their plan. And there are ways for you to legally and correctly go around that plan so that you can have some money for the person who's still in the community. Lots of good ways for Medicaid planning. But if you don't get educated and have a plan sooner rather than later, before someone gets sick, put your legal documents in place, talk to about all these these financial plans that you're talking about now, Mike, you know, the things that you're saying are available to people based mm-hmm. on their, if you don't look at that, then you are going to, 
probably end up in a really, really sad and unfortunate situation. Now, you brought up something when we briefly, briefly spoke um, that, again, as the words were coming out of your mouth, I went, oh, my, I've never thought of it that way. But it's so true. I see it every day in my mortgage company. Today's structure of everything from Social Security to Medicare um, is, is a disaster waiting to happen for mom. For mom for and grandma, for women, for women, for all yes. moms women, and grandmas. Women are particularly are particularly in in a bad place. Uh, behind the eight ball, I like please, to say, we're please, behind the eight ball. Take that because, further, yeah. Because right, because especially baby boomer women, Gen X women, and and still younger women, we are traditionally still stepping out of the out of the workforce. We are stepping out for our children to to raise them. We're stepping out to to, to care for an elder parent. So every time we step out, we stop Mm -hmm. earning money. We stop putting money into a 401k. We stop maybe even putting money into an IRA. Mm -hmm. And now that we have changed in this country, we have classically changed the way we save money. It's no longer all these joint accounts. It's no longer pensions or whatever. It is my husband has a 401k and an IRA, and I have a 401k and an IRA. But guess what? I don't have that. I work for myself. I stepped out of the marketplace to, to raise my family. I've been a caregiver for seven different family members and friends. So my husband has this nice big 401k slash IRA, which is great. We love each other. We have a great marriage. We're doing fun things. But if he strokes out tomorrow and goes to a nursing home and it's permanent, all of those funds are considered funds to pay for his care. Mm-hmm. It is not my money, and I have nothing. Mm-hmm. And not all women have a professional law practice. Holy moly. Right, that's exactly. Right. And that's Holy devastating. Moly. It's devastating. And I see exactly. that constantly in my industry. And the question is, what, what can we do? What yes. can we do for women? There's lots of things we can do. Number one, know this. Know that this is the way it's set up. So know that you have to start putting money in place for you. You have to have your own IRA because that's, it's not protected in every state, by the way, but in, like in my state, it's completely protected. But, but still, know that you have to have your own funds, right? Know that, they're, know that your documents have to allow you to move funds. You know how you said you have that legal department that yeah. looks at these trusts and these powers of attorney? Well, if it says, wait a minute, whoa, you can't move any money. Nobody right. gave you permission know that you have to have documents that will allow you to move money around in an emergency if you need to. Um, you know, so, so you have to be able to do it. You have to know that you can do it. Right. And there are, when you're young and healthy, yes, like you mentioned, there are trusts that can be great things. But if you don't fund them, yes. if you don't do them soon enough, mm-hmm. you, are, you are no better off than you would be if you were 90. Yeah, that's exactly right. Darn thing. Yeah, and, and let's face it, statistics do show that when mom gets sick or an uncle or an aunt or a grandparent, in most cases in our generations, mine, yours, and right before ours, um, you know, you're younger than me, but in these last couple of generations, um, it is the woman that steps out of the workforce and says, I'll take care of that. Even if it's dad's mom, if it's not yes. her mom, her mother-in-law, right. she's going to step out. did that. My mother-in-law, absolutely. And, and you know, that's fine. Um, in, in good families with good relationships, tech, that's not really a problem, except in this long-term care world. Right. That's where it can be a huge problem, mm-hmm. a huge problem that nobody knows about because they just think, oh, well, that's our family money, except that it isn't. Mm-hmm. No, that's right? exactly, yeah. Exactly. And, and there are even other financial products, right? There's life insurance issues. There's annuities. Like, there's so many things you can do, but you need a professional. And in my book, 
when I talk about these things. And this book is made, this Who Moves My Teeth is made for, you know, the, the lay person. It is, it is not technical. It is easy to read. It is a quick read. But when it gets to the part where, look, these are the things we're talking about, it says, please go seek a professional financial advisor and an elder attorney. These are the questions you can ask them. Mm -hmm. You bring up and something. And that's what you need to know. And you bring something up in the book that's also very paramount, which is all your professionals that you seek out need to talk to each other. Oh my and gosh, I, and yes. I also find it amazing when they don't. When I have a client go, I have this, 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 and this, and I am not a certified financial planner. I am not, but sometimes when I'm taking, when I see their financials, I go, well, you have some duplicate things here, and I'm, you, you, quite frankly, you're wasting money. Um, they can't, you know, pay more than they can. And they go, well, my financial planner said this, my long-term care insurance said this, and my CPA says this is a great tax break. I go, Do they right. talk to each other? Oh, no, they don't even know each other. I go, oh, my God. And I'm in the same boat because I am not a financial advisor, but they bring their financial statements to me to see so that I can see what kind of a, you know, planning thing we have to do. And I'll say, you know what, can, can I talk to this person? Can I get permission from you to talk to your person? Because I think they don't understand. Mm -hmm. For instance, you have this trust here and you didn't fund it. We need to talk to them about that. You know, stuff like that. Absolutely. They all need to talk to each other. And we're not stealing business from each other. We're only making it better. I don't really understand that hesitation. Yeah. Um, to to all merge our, our expertise, you know, to help our mutual client. Unfortunately, I think sometimes that hesitation, not casting dispersions here. We don't do that on 62. Who knew? Sometimes I think <laughs> that um, that hesitation might be from the financial professionals because they might not be able to offer as many products and services when one other professional goes, come on, they don't need that. Right. Yeah, or that's already taken care of, or it can be taken care of in a less expensive way. Maybe, I don't know. Well, it's a weird nonetheless, yeah. you know, my job is to make sure that you're legally protected. And so if I can see something that says you, you need to have a conversation or are, are you okay with me having a conversation with your, your guy or your gal who's, you know, in charge of your finances, exactly. that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna ask for permission. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk yeah. will, trust. There are several different vehicles. I know I have to say that, you know, when I was much younger, you know, I would think my thought, which was false, you know, a will is for the normal person, a trust is for the very, very wealthy. And it's amazing how many people still feel that way, uh, but certain types of trust can, can pass the assets from generation to generation or from deceased spouse to surviving spouse in a much easier way. So, so let's go from the simple to the complex. Okay. Go into your underwear drawer where you put that will 30 years ago <laughs> when your kids were 6 and 11. Have you been in my you house? had a guardian and you thought everything was great. You had a trustee for them because if anything happened to you, those kids would be taken care of. And pull it out and take it to your attorney and have a new will made because that will is useless to you. Absolutely. That will does not speak to what is happening in your life today, right? Mm -hmm, not so at that's all. the first thing I wanna do. I want everyone to like go to their underwear drawer. That's number one. And number two, yes, there are trusts of all kinds, which, you know, there, there's, there's living, um, there's a living trust and there's also special needs trust. If you yes. have someone in your family who has a, a disability, if you have a child who's disabled or you have a sibling who's disabled. Um, and again, these are, this is the time that you need to speak to experts because 
timing is everything. You've got to do this sooner rather than later, or at least have the conversation so that if you see things moving in a direction that you don't like, you can say, ah, you know what? We talked about this with my legal professional and I need to get back there and make sure that I'm on track. So yes, trust used to be for the, the rich, yeah. <laughs> but now it's become a planning tool that's really critically necessary only because of the way our healthcare system has played out, which is kind of crazy, isn't it? It really and truly has. We got it's about the healthcare system. Yeah, I, I always say we could. Uh, you know, we are switching actually our premise here in the show in the next two to six weeks to a panel show, um, oh, that's where I would nice. bring somebody like yourself on and the long-term care expert, long-term yeah. care insurance expert, and a Medicare expert. And have yeah. the discussion of just what's wrong with everything and why the three of you can help people. And we're looking forward to that transition uh, in August, maybe early September. Um, it's a great idea. Yeah, it's, you know, like I said, I said it, there's such a need for this. And um, I've kind of absented myself the last couple of years um, from cable news and network news. Um, I just uh, I got tired of it. You know, they have their own agendas. It's no longer about the news. and Well, they uh, aren't talking about this. I can tell you that. And I don't understand that because <laughs> right. this affects you whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or it's far left. Or far, it, yeah, everybody, yeah. your moms, your dads, you, and the more medical and scientific breakthroughs we have, your children, your grandchildren. Uh, again, it's this mixed blessing of longevity, but you don't see anything on it. Maybe AARP. Right. Um, you know, exactly. Yeah. And even they have, to me, changed a lot since I was younger. Um, and I'm not sure it's changed in a good way, uh, but they still and perform I, a great service. I'm guessing that people come to you in a crisis as well, like they almost always oh, yeah. do with me. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The best yeah. way so to, it's almost mm-hmm. fix the problem rather than how can yeah. we prevent the problem? In my particular industry, and I appreciate you bringing it up. The premise has always been for four decades now that you use a reverse mortgage, the equity in your home, as a last resort. A reverse mm-hmm. mortgage is mostly considered a needs-based product of last resort. We're out of money. We have no options. Mom and dad are having problems getting food, paying their taxes. Oh, my God, we got to get a reverse mortgage. Not only do we have some of the best financial planners in the country touting that that's wrong, we have several Nobel Prize winners in economics saying to people, your house is going to go up or down in value no matter what. Your house isn't alive. It doesn't go, eh, I don't know, you put a mortgage on me, I'm not going up in value. It doesn't do that. Use the equity in your house early in retirement. Stop taking money out of your portfolio and let it grow for another 10 years so you're not broke at 80 You can live to be 90 or 95. Mm -hmm. Use the cheap money with no no interest payments whatsoever, no principal and interest payment. Let your portfolio grow. Stop using it as a product of last resort. Use it in the beginning. And although there are hundreds, I can't say thousands, hundreds of very well-known, learned people, tenured professors, economic prize winners touting this, the great majority of the financial planning world goes, why would we do that? We'll wait till them we'll wait till they're broke. How about never being broke? That's the point. So, well, totally. But so what's interesting about that is it sort of circles back to the fact that every single 
person, couple, family has a unique situation that has to be examined by these professionals. There is no one size fits all, you know, mm -hmm. not for anybody because we no, don't know your health. We don't know your finances. We don't know your children. We don't know, you know, yeah. there, every, there's so many permutations mm -hmm. around what's the best thing to do for you yeah. that I think the biggest message you and I could give even as a, as a unit and, and all the people that we work with who are professionals is please come talk to us. Yes. Just come talk to us. Yeah. So many of that. There's a book written about 15 years ago and I did read it and I, I'm going blank on the, um, on the author and, um, yeah, but it was called, you know, you know, the old expression, if it ain't broke, you know, don't fix, don't it. fix it. Yeah, there yeah. was a book that actually came out that said, if it ain't broke, break it. Because yeah. there are so many financial planners, um, long-term care people, mortgage people, independent financial advisors going, you know, this is the way I've been doing it for 30 years. Hey, and hey, I like don't, this. Don't exclude lawyers from uh, that as well. I know. Uh, it's, yeah. it, you are, I'm sorry, but it's true. They yeah. don't, because elder law is a unique area of the law. Powers of attorney have been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. But using them in the, in the world of elder law and what has to be in there can be completely different than the general financial power of attorney that people are putting out there. Oh, many times a year somebody uh, you know, presents our mortgage company you know, with a general power of attorney. And, and again, our lender has to say, I'm sorry, they can't do a mortgage with right. that. And that's not even close. Um, right. Can we do another one? Well, I don't know. When was the, you know, mom hasn't spoken since 1998. So no, I don't think we can do another one. I know. And then, and then, and then we're in guardianship. And that's just a world of hell of its own. I mean, oh, my goodness, I mean, thank yeah. God for the system itself, but the system needs to change. It's another yeah. one of those systems that I don't think has changed since the 1960s. True. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, if it ain't broke, break it. Tell me a little bit about um, Nancy's house. It's a not-profit oh, that you, I want. thank you so much for I've done asking. my research into you. Yes, oh, no, no. you're so sweet for asking about this. This is so near and dear to my heart. I know I'm it is. I'm on the board I know. of directors of Nancy's House. Mm -hmm. And Nancy's House is here in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, but we serve several counties surrounding us, Philadelphia, Delaware, Chester, Berks. Um, and what we do is we do respite care weekends and retreats for caregivers. Not for the people they're caring uh -huh. for, but for the caregivers to give them a, a way to rest and revitalize and, and actually, you know, get these legal documents if they mm -hmm. need them and things like that. But basically really to take care of the caregiver. Um, and it is just an, a fabulous organization. I am so proud to be a part of it. And we just work uh, constantly with, you know, Alzheimer's Association, Multiple Sclerosis Association, any kind of area where there's caregivers and we can get funding to provide these weekends and these retreats for caregivers. Yeah, and again, and I, it, it's just funny. Like I said, I get the chills when I think about it or when I hear Mark Goldberg or Bill Comfort um, or someone like yourself. People don't realize the stress on the caregivers. I mean, uh, the whole world is focused on the person you're giving the caregiving to, but I don't know if there is any more stress than not just taking care of an elderly person that you love, but watching them deteriorate you know, right. knowing that, the, you know, you can make life happier for them, but you really can't prolong it. You know, you're not a doctor, you're a caregiver. Um, and they're working. Some of these people are working, yeah. you know, on top of caregiving. It, or, yeah. or, or not working and causing so working. much financial pressure on themselves and their families. So, yes, yeah, exactly. uh, when I read about Nancy's house, um, I mean, there should be, there should be a, a Nancy's house in every state and every major, uh, major city. There really should be. 
That would be so wonderful. And that would be a great, I mean, we've been doing this, well, she's been doing it, that uh, Alyssa Lewin, who started it uh, as a, as a uh, homage to her friend. Uh, she's been doing it for about 10 to 12 years, but I've only been involved for three years. But honestly, that would be wonderful. Our Ultimately, our goal is to have an actual physical space. Right now, we just move around, but an actual physical space where people could come and have these retreats on a regular basis. Well, if you've ever liked... Would be fabulous. It would be incredible. And if, if you ever would like to have a Nancy's house on the west coast of Florida, uh, in the Tampa Bay area, I live in Clearwater, uh, please, let's talk about that. Um, caregivers... I mean, I just, caregivers are angels, whether it's a person like yourself doing it for your grandmother, but I think like a lot of people, you know, we had hospice in our homes for my mom and my dad and my, um, you know, we, we talk about this a lot, my group of businessmen. It's so hard to find a good um, mortgage processor. It's hard to find a good receptionist. It's hard yeah. to find so many things. Yes. How does hospice find these angels? I know, and that's because, what they because are. you don't. I think you don't go to hospice unless that's who you are, right? And and I'm so glad you brought this up because part two of you know who moved my teeth. The first part is this legal and practical advice, but the second part is all of this this practical caregiving advice. Things I learned how to have a conversation with your family. I mean, I even that's have rough. literal fill in the blank conversations for mm -hmm. people, how to ask for help. Um, what are these hidden symptoms that you have with UTIs and things like that, which I've only learned as a caregiver for these seven different family and friends over the last 30 years, one with a brain injury, one with multiple sclerosis, um, the elderly with dementia. You know, I, I have the caregiving train stops at my house, Mike, mm -hmm. just so you know, yeah. if you ever need to get off, just take the train and come up to my house. Yeah, the Because uh, that's where the caregiving train is. The last year of my dad's <laughs> life, um, I learned more about things that I won't talk to him about on TV. Um, and I was happy to learn it, but, you know, Dad was a very prideful man. And again, the, the World War II ex-POW, he was the, the greatest example of the greatest generation. And quite frankly, the first time, um, you know, that he fell down at night and I helped him up in the bathroom, right. he looked at me and went, this is not the way a man goes out. And I said, actually, I think it is. You know, in your son's house with your grandchildren, with us here to help you like you've been doing for us, you know, forever. Um, it's a rough conversation to have. Next week's guest is uh, Mr. Colin Castle, who is a regional director for In... Um, um, oh, I just lost it. He's going to kill me. And it's his fourth time on the show. Uh, um, for um, John, Colin Castle's company. Can you Do you remember the name of it? I'm having a senior moment. I'm going to be leaving here and going right to Kathy's house for, for senior home care. Uh, anyway, it's the largest non-medical in-home care company oh. in the country. And he talks about that conversation that has to happen when in-home in care is going to happen. And then we yep. also had a, uh, a long-term care insurance expert. I'm not sure if it was Mark <laughs> or Bill who said to me, you know, one of the things that when people go, oh, I don't know if I need long-term care insurance. I'm not sure. I don't think I'll ever need it. He said the number one thing to say to a man who is hesitating about doing the right thing is go, look, why don't you think about it for a while? But I want you to think about this. Think about your daughter giving you a bath. <laughs> okay. And then he goes, okay, where do I sign? He said that's, that's when it comes to, and it, it's just funny that you have to think about something so extreme to go, oh, that's right. I was doing that for my dad or I was paying somebody to do that for my mom. Yeah. And that could be me one day. Yeah. Yeah, of course, of course. And I, I mean, one of my 
favorite or unfavorite things? Because I, I kind of think we work in, in scare tactics. I yeah. mean, I don't I don't want to, but unfortunately, I have to get to the heart of the matter, which is, you know, if you don't take action now, you're going to you're going to really regret it in the future. And I can help you if you do it now. But one of the things I say, I like to say, because I love men. Oh, my gosh, I really, truly do. But one of the, my favorite things that they tell me is I'm not going to need a nursing yes. home. I'm just going to die. They're just going to die. Yeah. And I said, of the course. problem is. You don't get to decide that. It doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is, is even if that's the case, I'm actually worried about your spouse. Yes. I'm worried about your partner. Yes. Can we talk about that for a minute? Mm -hmm. I'm not really, I'm not so much worried about you because you aren't either. And I'm okay with that. I'm right. good with that. But I'm worried about your wife not having enough money. I'm worried about, you know, your spouse having to to not be able to buy groceries. Let's mm -hmm. talk about that. Yeah. And so, that's how I lead them to that long-term care. Yeah, sometimes that combination of fear and guilt is the only mm. way to get them to do the right thing. And I have no guilt over that. Um, sometimes, Sister, Sister Marie Genevieve was a great teacher in that fear and guilt. Yes. Well, she, <laughs> all right, well, I cannot believe how fast this hour has gone. My producer said 10 minutes about two minutes ago. So we're probably down to eight. So let's go some, uh, for some very serious uh, to some other thing that I want to ask you about that okay. you're a part of. So what is HumorOutcast.com? So HumorOutcast.com is a website run by my uh, publisher who published my both my books, actually. Yeah. And it's hilarious. It's a great place to go for laughs. There are articles, there are cartoons, there are visuals. And every she's got, I don't know, 15, 20,000 people a day just go there. And we all write funny articles about whatever's going on in our lives. And boy, for caregivers, that couldn't be a better place. Go to humoroutcast.com. I'm going to do that when laugh. I get home. And yep. it just came back to me. Home Instead. I'm so sorry, Colin. You're one of my favorite guests. And the well, name of your... Yeah, that's famous. I love them. Home Instead is the best. And Colin and yeah, his wife great. are not only incredible entrepreneurs, but uh, philanthropists that do so much in our area. He's one of our steady guests. He's going to be on next nice. week. So um, uh, I know we still have a lot more to talk about. John, about how long? Oh, only six minutes. Okay. Um, tell us some stories. Well, with only six minutes, it might not be a lot. Some of your favorite you know, success stories. I know when I'm in the mall or something like that, and sometimes it's, it's got a sad beginning, but somebody will walk up to me and go, Michael, I don't know if you remember me. Um, you did my husband and I's reverse mortgage eight years ago. Unfortunately, I lost my husband to a stroke or a heart attack uh, or cancer. And I have to tell you, if we didn't do the reverse mortgage, I wouldn't be living in that house today. I would uh, thank you, and I get a hug. And that just makes, I can't even say that makes my day. It makes my right. year. Um, I'm sure you have something like that. What is one of your favorite things, even though sometimes it's based in sadness, that you can yeah. look at a client and go, I'm so glad I did that with you? I, I, I speak a lot. I, I spend most of my time speaking. I, I don't take a lot of personal clients anymore because I was trying very much to make this an education process for as many people as possible and to get them to elder attorneys. And so, I mean, I just spoke a few weeks ago and this was in a facility that is only a dementia unit. They do not have any other patients of any kind, which is kind of unusual. But of course I'm speaking to the family and I speak on two different uh, things, the legal preparation. And of course, again, my practical knowledge of how, you know, I dealt with and what I've learned about dealing with a dementia family member. Mm -hmm. 
And at one point I said, you know, everybody tells you to take care of yourself and you get so sick of hearing that. And you think, what am I supposed to do? I'm tired. I work, you know, they make, I get frustrated. I get angry, whatever. And I, I I'm here to tell you, you have to take care of yourself. Yeah. And, you know, and then I would give them a few things and I thought, oh, they're just going to hate me for that. Right. Because that's what everybody says. And right. afterwards, some lady came to me, she gave me a big hug and she said, can I just tell you, <coughs> excuse me, it doesn't matter how many times you say it, you have to keep telling people to take care of themselves. It's so true. And, and it wasn't even my legal piece. It was just my, my, you know, come from the heart. Let's all help each other. Mm-hmm. And it just made me feel so good because I actually felt, oh, they're so sick of hearing this. It just doesn't make any sense to them. But apparently it does. And so that was very heartwarming for me to yeah. hear that from one I, of my attendees. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, it's really amazing. <clears throat> there are some exceptions to the rule, but mostly the most successful people I know in healthcare, not in healthcare, legal, financial. I don't care if you're selling donuts. Um, the people that actually work from their heart, yes, you have to have a business mind. Yes, there's a profit and loss statement at the end of the month, whether you're in a legal practice or not. Hopefully you take in more money that you spend or you can't stay in business. <laughs> so there's a certain amount of math and, and capitalism involved. But every professional I know, the people that we have on, these, on this show um, that I've mentioned before, they work from the heart first. And their products and services follow after they do the right thing and it, it's easier to it's easier to to, to give from your heart yep. you know it's, it's so much easier mm-hmm. right yeah it really and you will and and you shall receive <laughs> yeah um yeah i'm uh i i do believe in karma I'm on a, uh, yeah me yeah, too yeah uh, me you too, know there's that old expression some people use different numbers you know you do something good it comes back to you a hundred times 500 times over it's true um yeah it really is true and again sort of like healthcare, sort of like lack of preparation. Uh, it is amazing how many people don't realize, you know, uh, the, 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 uh, the expression, pay it forward. Just do something nice for somebody and tell them, you got, my fee is you paying it forward. Do it for yeah. someone else. It would just be a better Love world. It. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, 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 and just let's remind everyone that this isn't that hard. You know, it sounds like we're talking about difficult, complicated, whatever. This really isn't hard stuff. It isn't. No. It's just do it, do it once. Check it again in a few years if your things change. But, but just do it once. It'll take maybe a couple visits with your financial guy, your lawyer, whatever, and you'll be done. And you will have such peace of mind yes. for such a long time. It's yeah. not hard. I promise you. Yeah, it's it, not. It's emotionally different than we're used to. You know, you have a toothache. You know it's going to hurt. You go, you get your Novocaine, you get it pulled out, and it's over. <laughs> sitting down with people, sitting down with your children um, or your father or mother and talking about, you know, their end of life and when they can't drive or um, when they're not. It's a very, very rough decision to have with your parents who, and if, in my case, were my heroes, or to have it with your children to go, look, you know, you know one day your father who you... Uh, hopefully think very highly of, is going to be drooling in a corner and may need some help. Um, you know, going, do you want a reverse mortgage, please? Yeah, that's what I envision, my, that's what I envision myself doing at 90 years old. You need a mortgage? Because um, it's what I do. But it, it's, a, it's a very rough, you know, it's a rough emotional conversation to have with your parents and or your children. I really do think it is. 
So you go to Humor Outcast first, you get yes. a couple of jokes, you have the conversation, you have a few more jokes, you have a glass of wine and beer, you're good to go. You're good to go. <laughs> we have about 30 seconds left. Thank you so much. Um, there are a few guests on the show that I will make email introductions to you uh, to tomorrow um, that I think you may be interested in meeting and they may be interested in having you Thanks on so their much. podcast. Uh, I hope Thanks. you will rejoin us when we go to the panel show, possibly be to. on with a dementia expert. Um, we have 20 seconds left. Thank you so much. It's been nothing short of a pleasure. And I Thank just appreciate I it so it. much. All right. Uh, thank you. And uh, next week, as I said, uh, we have Colin Castle from Home Instead. It's going to be a great show. Everybody have a great week. Let's take care of each other out there. Thank you.